0: That's Science VS. New season out on Spotify soon. Today is Sunday, November 3rd, 2019. On this day in 1883, infamous Western outlaw Black Bart the Poet held up a Wells Fargo stagecoach between Sonora and Milton, California. The failed hijack ended Black Bart's eight-year run as the most notorious stagecoach robber in the West. Welcome to Today in True Crime, a ParCast original. Due to the graphic nature of today's crimes, listener discretion is advised. Extreme caution is advised for listeners under 13. Today we're going back to the American Old West, 136 years ago when the career of the notorious American highwayman Black Bart came to a dramatic end. We begin midday on November 3rd, 1883, as the stagecoach driver rode past a rise called Funk Hill. Reason McConnell drove the stage lazily ahead. He was in no particular hurry. His traveling companion, 19-year-old Jimmy Rolleri, had set off ahead of him to hunt some deer. Reason shook his head, chuckling to himself. The boy had spirit, but Reason had his doubts about Jimmy's proficiency with that Henry rifle he carried around. As the stage rolled forward, a figure stepped onto the road ahead of it, Reason squinted. It wasn't Jimmy. The man wore a derby on his head and a flour sack over his face. He held a double-barreled shotgun pointed right at Reason's head. The man called out to him. Please throw down your strongbox or I'll shoot. Reason blinked in surprise. The man's tone was not the rough and crude one he had expected. The robber had a genteel voice and spoke with excellent diction. If Reason didn't know any better, he would have thought the voice belonged to a college man. The bandit approached. Reason didn't dare move a muscle. Stammering, he explained that he could not throw it down. A new Wells Fargo regulation had them chain the strongbox to the floor of the stage. Reason's eyes followed the bandit as he walked up and slid rocks under each of the coach's wheels to keep it from moving. Then directing the shotgun upward, he commanded Reason unhitch the horses and lead them up the road. Reason jumped down. Educated or not, he didn't want to risk the wrath of those shotgun barrels. As Reason guided the horses away from the stage, he heard a repeated metallic clanging as the crook worked away at the strong box with an ax. It was a heavy box. It would take him quite some time to bash through the lock. Reason had almost $5,000 worth of cargo in the coach. He couldn't let some bandit get away with it. His mind was buzzing. He nearly jumped out of his skin when he saw movement in the brush nearby, and then he recognized the face. It was Jimmy, Henry Rifle, held in his hands. In a hushed voice, Reason explained what had happened, pointing over the hill where the masked man was still in the process of looting the stagecoach. Jimmy nodded in silent agreement. They would stop this robbery themselves. Horses tied to a nearby tree, they made their way back up the road. The stage loomed into view. The strongbox laid beside it. The robber crouched over it, stuffing its contents into a sack. The bandit stiffened. Then he turned. A horrible moment passed as the thief and the two men stared at each other, sizing up their weapons. The robber was the first to break— turning on his heels and running. Rage rose in Reason's chest. This man wasn't going to get away with the company's money so easily. He seized the rifle from his companion and fired after the bandit. The shot went wide, causing a burst of twigs to fly off a nearby bush. Reason fired a second shot. The crook didn't slow his pace, but diverted, heading toward a nearby thicket. Jimmy snatched the rifle and took aim. Just as the robber reached his cover, Jimmy squeezed the trigger. The robber let out a cry and then crumpled out of sight. The two men ran after him. Jimmy rounded the thicket first, pointing his rifle at the spot where the man had vanished. But the robber was gone. All the men found was a bag of letters taken from the strongbox. It was stained with a splash of red. Coming up, we'll discuss how this encounter had a devastating impact on Black Bart's robbing days. Now, back to the story. Charles Earl Bowles led a full life before he decided to turn to stagecoach robbery. Born in Norfolk, England sometime around 1830, his family emigrated to New York when he was only a child. Bowles and his brothers traveled west during the 1850 California Gold Rush, but he had little success as a prospector. He rejoined his family in New York after only a few years of sifting mud. Bowles later served as a sergeant in the Union Army during the Civil War, and was twice offered a promotion to the rank of lieutenant. Despite his distinguished career during the war, he had no luck with his personal finances, and in August of 1871 vanished without a trace. His wife presumed him dead, Between 1875 and 1883, at least 28 Wells Fargo stagecoaches traveling to San Francisco were robbed by a mysterious man wearing a mask, a derby, and speaking with a low, polite tone. He never raised his voice and never took money from women riding in the coaches. After one of these robberies, in 1877, the robber left behind a poem written on a scrap of paper for the posse pursuing him. I've labored long and hard for bread, for honor and for riches, but on my corns too long you've tread, you fine-haired sons of bitches. This note was signed Black Bart. As Black Bart grew in notoriety, both local and federal authorities put a bounty on his head. Between Governor Irwin of California, the post office, and Wells Fargo, there was an outstanding reward of $800 to $1,000 for his capture. That would be over $25,000 today. He was nearly apprehended on July 13th of 1882, when Wells Fargo employee George Hackett fired a shotgun blast at his head as he fled the scene of the robbery. Hackett's shot knocked Bart's derby off, but did not injure him. Black Bart's identity remained a mystery until November 3, 1883. He attempted to rob a stagecoach but was chased off by the driver and another man with a Henry rifle. They fired a number of shots after him, succeeding in wounding him in the hand. In his rush to escape, Black Bart left behind a handkerchief with the laundry marker FX07. After searching over 90 laundromats in San Francisco, Detective Harry N. Morse found a match at Ferguson and Biggs California Laundry, who directed them to the boarding house where Charles Bowles lived. Detective Morse found Bowles and pressed him for information. Eventually, he confessed to Black Bart's crimes, but only those that had taken place before 1879. He incorrectly believed the statute of limitations had run out on them. He was tried and convicted of multiple counts of robbery, then sentenced to six years in San Quentin prison. Fittingly, the famous gentleman criminal served only four years before he was released on good behavior. But even after repenting for his life of crime, He did not return to his family in Illinois. He wrote his wife a few times, but shortly afterward, once again, vanished into thin air. Thanks for listening to Today in True Crime. I'm Vanessa Richardson. Today in True Crime was created by Max Cutler, is a production of Cutler Media, and is part of the Parcast Network. It is produced by Max and Ron Cutler, sound design by Russell Nash, with production assistance by Ron Shapiro, Paul Mahler, Maggie Admire, and Travis Clark. This episode of Today in True Crime was written by Robert Teamstra. I'm Vanessa Richardson.